Okay, guys, welcome to another B2B Weekly. I'm taking Marty's role for this introduction today. <laughs> Usually that's what he what he says, but uh, yeah, it's the first time that we are doing with this with, uh, with Restream. Uh, streaming, Marty doesn't know that, but we are live on Facebook, on YouTube, and on LinkedIn. So <laughs> yeah, streaming on multiple platforms. And yeah, so basically that's that's it. Uh, Marty, can you tell people? I think we will have people that haven't been on B2B uh, weekly live before. So what is this show actually about? Yeah, so this show is just an excuse for you, Nemanja and I to talk to each other every week and, and see each other's face. But jokes aside, uh, I think the goal of this show is to really put together a place where people can come in and ask questions about everything that's B2B related. So sales, marketing, we have salespeople, we have marketers, we have founders, CEOs, and it's a place for us to come together and discuss topics and discuss it from a point of people who are actually doing it, from people who are in the trenches, who are doing it every day. And I think you and I, Nemanja, who are run um, marketing agencies as a whole, we're still on the trenches and we're still practitioners and operators and we're able to talk about things that we actually do. Um, we don't sell anything. We just focus on trying to share what we know uh, and trying to do it in a way where people can interact, people can ask questions. And we usually do a bit of um, topics at the beginning and then we do Q&A at the end as well. Um, and it's we've been running it for almost a year now. I think we're in season two and um, we're excited now that we have LinkedIn Live and everything else to, to be able to stream it in, in different platforms. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and just I was just thinking what, what you were saying before the call, because like I was talking with, with Ivan from my team, um, how basically we are closing uh, like all the SQLs that we get that come to me just for one single reason, because we are actually doing the work. We are working with companies, we are inside the companies, and that's it. That's how I can know what their problems are and I can explain it from their perspective. Yeah, and maybe one day we're not able to do the show anymore because maybe we're too far away from the production side and maybe we're not practitioners. But I think we're not just doing it for clients, we're also doing it for ourselves. Right? So the things that we talk about, when I was promoting the post yesterday, it was we're doing it for clients and we're doing it for ourselves. So we usually do it for both sides of things. Um, so that gives us real life experience in everything that we talk to, uh, which doesn't mean that it's perfect or right or we're always correct. It means that at least that's what we're doing, that's what we're testing, and we have some data to back it up. Exactly. So what are some of the topics that we're going to cover today? Yeah, so I want to start by, I have four things that we can discuss and then we can do a bit of Q&A. Uh, the first topic was about SDRs. So I've seen a lot of SDRs do great stuff on LinkedIn and, and overall, and we've seen that position evolve, I think, over the last few years. And I wonder where that position is going to go in the future. So my uh, first topic for today is what do you think the SDR role should be? And how do you think it's going to change uh, in the future? What do you think an SDR or somebody who is right now or who wants to be an SDR should be thinking about, about how the goal and the industry will change over the next few years? 
me, it's, um, I'm just going to talk uh, from the perspective of someone who hasn't been an SDR. I've been doing a little bit of sales, but I wouldn't call that uh, SDR since I've been doing it as I was the GM at the moment. Uh, so and what, what I've been seeing is that the, the role is being evolving as, as are the social media platforms and, and marketing overall and the businesses and kind of how things are changing because um, like they need to create long-term relationship with those clients, especially in B2B when uh, sales cycles are longer. So you cannot just go and do the outreach. I mean, during email, you can, but it is just to start. And you start building that relationship over and over again. I mean, some of the things that SDR need to do or the best one started doing it uh, a while ago is uh, behave like a marketeer at some way. So kind of educate uh, your accounts, educate people about what you are doing, create a personal brand also so you can be the guy for that niche, for that industry, you know, that you are the go-to person for that. And basically all those things that I'm mentioning is just the things that will make it easy for you to sell. Right. Uh, and I think my, my biggest point from here is what you were talking about, SDRs becoming more like marketers. I think uh, the, the lines between sales and marketing are, are, have been blurred and SDRs are in a position to take advantage of that. Um, so it's very interesting to me to see how certain numbers of SDRs get marketing and how it's changing their jobs. Obviously, like you said, I'm not an SDR myself, though sometimes being a CEO feels like being an overglorified salesperson. Um, but from the outside looking in, I 100% see how the ones that are getting content marketing, the ones that get personal branding, they're taking advantage over the others. Because even when they do the outreach, if you reach out to me on LinkedIn and I check your profile and there's nothing, it looks like a cemetery. I'm not going to reach out because you have no expertise and you provide like you don't provide any assurance that you know what you're doing. But if I check out your profile and there's articles, there's content creations, you run a podcast, whatever that looks like, then I understand that you know what you're talking about. Um, so even from an SDR standpoint, like like reaching out, it's going to change how you the results that you're getting. And then there's other ways that you can drive inbound, not just outbound. So if you become a an SDR who drives both inbound and outbound, you become super valuable to that company. Then you can go for whatever you want from that. You can go into like marketing or you can go to AE and hire up in sales. Um, so the ones that are getting it, I think are going to make the whole difference. The one, the one SDR that runs a podcast, the one SDR that has builds a community around them, they're the ones that are going to kill it. Because um, when you have both the sales ability and the marketing ability, you become really dangerous. Yeah, yeah, and it's unfortunate that so little marketing people understand that. But anyway, for I think like compared to that, uh, when we look at the marketing side, basically I think for that for them it's much more important to kind of understand how they can uh, contribute to the revenue, not to kind of um, go and do what the salesperson people are doing. Because like I want to mention Chris Walker because he. He said one thing in the recent podcast, and it is that B2B companies are sales companies. They are not marketing companies. 
it makes a huge difference because if you're sales oriented and you have marketing, then you get marketing to do the sales as well, maybe some different way. And I mean, it's that basic. We need to look at the things from that basic founding perspective so we can see what's going on actually over there. Well, there's nothing more sad than a marketer doing sales, right? Like that should be a tweet. But yeah, market, marketing companies would hate it. Yeah. But, marketing but, agencies, sorry. But that said, there's marketers as a whole, they need to be more revenue oriented eventually. Right? Like they, they need to actually deliver some tangible results. Um, like they cannot just put out a white paper every quarter and think that they're good. Like they, they actually have to see how they're contributing to revenue and how that their marketing efforts are tied down. Obviously, I'm not looking for an immediate ROI. Like I, I get that because that incentivizes sales-oriented behavior. But I am looking for you to at least have the mentality of we're here to make the company money. Doesn't have to be tomorrow, but we have to build that brand to make company money, um, which I think salespeople have it. Uh, which leads me to the point of the ones, the marketers that get sales or the salesperson that get marketing are the ones that are going to win because you're more versatile and you can take the good side from both from both ends. Kind of reminds me of basketball. If you are an inside guy that can play on the outside, then you have an advantage and vice versa. So it's like being open to exploring the other side and not seeing that there's an internal fight in the company, I think gives a big opportunity for people. Yeah, I agree. Um, so something that, that leads me, now that we're talking about uh, driving leads and, and driving inbound, um, what would you tell CEO as a marketer or as a marketing agency? Um, why you're only able to deliver less leads with content marketing and demand gen versus when you're doing outbound or you're doing um, some like MQL, SQL lead generation, which is you're going for volume when you're doing content or demand gen, you're going for less number of leads, but usually more quality. How would you have that conversation with the CEO who's like, you're delivering me 10 leads per month. Why are you not delivering me 100 like syndication or all the other stuff is, is driving me? So what is uh, my perspective? Am I somebody who is uh, pitching them for some services or I'm somebody who is employed in the company? You're either an employee or you're a marketing consultant, marketing agency who's talking to the CEO and doing that. I think it's the same conversation for both. Yeah. So uh, if I'm if I'm an agency, so outsider of the of the company, um, I'm not getting into that situation. First of all, like uh, if if they don't believe in it, uh, I'm not even getting into that conversation. That's that's the first one. Um, I mean, it all depends uh, on some things. How? What is their um, big ask? Is it get a demo? Is it uh, like uh, free trials? Is it I don't know, uh, schedule a call or something else? And I would I would like to have a chance to kind of go and see uh, do they convert on some of those, or how how do demo calls convert? How do Try, uh, free trials convert. How do uh, scheduling calls convert? So let's say my um, then I see if we have material over there to to work with something. Like if it's thirty percent converting on uh, I don't know on free trials, 
let's see why do they are converting, who are those people, where they are coming from. And then I choose one. It doesn't have to be like um, getting more MQLs, but if I can find one of those three uh, and see, okay, this is working from that in that perspective, and I can have that conversation then with a, with a CEO because I can explain them exactly what are the differences. Like we, you have people converting over here, this percent. You have here people converting, I don't know, lower percent than this. And so if we have it, let's look at those that are converting the most and let's use that in do a research, see why this is happening and then kind of go from there, put uh, the popular uh, expression, put the gasoline on it and, and go for it. But if I'm, um, I'm the marketer working in the, in the company, I mean, it changes completely the, the narrative because it's, uh, if you know how things are going, for, you can do like a couple of things. First is you can try to explain why this can be done uh, better, why this is wrong thing to do, why you need to focus on, uh, on the content, getting more inbound leads, inbound SQLs, and kind of go, go into the different ways. Uh, even do it on the side as something that you invest your time and money in it if you want to prove it and this is the company that you want to stay to work at. Um, then you can uh, use CEO's language so they can understand it, talking about numbers, about the revenue, about, I don't know, if they are developers even talking about solving a specific problem, why this is not solving a problem, it's making the bigger one, you know, those kind of things. And the second thing you can do is, if it doesn't work, um, I mean, you can get out of there. That's yeah. basically two things. Yeah, I mean, that, that's always an option. Um, I think the key here is to kind of regroup the KPIs that matter, right? Because if the CEO is telling you, hey, marketing is driving me 10 leads a month, while sales is driving me 100 leads a month, um, why is the disconnect here? I think the key is to like pull back from leads generated numbers and main KPI and go back to revenue generated, right? Because if you're generating 10 leads in inbound, but you're closing five of them because they have shorter sales cycles, because they have higher win rates and you're generating equally or as much money as sales is generating through those 100 leads qualified, then I think the conversation is about the KPI that's more important, which is revenue generated. Um, and not only that, we've talked about it in other episodes, but there's the fact of if you're generating 100 leads through sales and outbound, that requires maybe four SDRs that you have to pay every month. Versus if you're generating 10 inbound leads, you might require only one salesperson, and then you're saving all that money. That It's, it's a hidden cost that a lot of people don't count. Mm -hmm. um, so the conversation is about, as a C you're the CEO, the who, what do you want? Do you want leads or do you want money? Because you cannot make payroll with 100 leads. You can make payroll with actual conversions. Um, so finding, the like you were saying, communicate their language. What KPIs do they really matter to them? And then once you have the, the data to track that, then I think it makes everything much easier. Yeah, and I mean, just today I had a recommendation referral actually from a from a potential client that never became the client because we weren't on the same um, 
I don't know. Uh, we were just weren't aligned on what we want to do and the way we want to do it. But she recommended somebody, and that guy sent me a message. And I want to bring it up because it's kind of interesting because he uh, went into my inbox and he saw the message that I sent him two years ago. And he and he wrote, "Ah, okay, uh, that's cool. Everything that you do. Uh, I mean, I changed two companies. Right. <laughs> and." Uh, like it's okay we can have a conversation to kind of see um are we aligned i'm like doing this this and that and like if you are familiar with the pipe drive and you can generate leads that's great like i said look like we are as far from you being our ideal client as possible <laughs> looking at what you do the way you do it the way you communicate it and the way what you want to achieve so I said it's better not to have that conversation. Right. I mean, but that gives you credibility, right? Because I, I think we talked about it actually last week that saying no to people means that when you say yes, you actually mean it. Um, yes. We just had this client refer us, uh, like it's a, it's a huge client that I have a really good relationship with the founder and we're working together, we're collaborating in many different ways. And he told me, I have this client who is looking for organic social but they're looking for like engagement and type of all that type of stuff. And we're just looking at it if we can help them or not. And it could be like an easy, like four or five thousand a dollar a month retainer. And I'm dubitous until I'm clear that I, we can help them to say yes, because I have this really good relationship building with him. And if we fuck up that project, then the relationship is broken. So like mm -hmm. taking five to seven, eight K less a month. It might be a good investment in the future unless we can actually help them if we can help them we'll we will but um saying no and being honest and radically transparent is probably one of the things that salesperson have to do better right because you're incentivized to sell 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 but when you're a founder ceo you know that if you sell then you have to do the production and if the production fucks up then the financials are messed up when you're just a salesperson, you think as long as I hit my quota, I'm fine. So you try to sell everything to everybody. Um, I mean, it, it, you can do that when you when you have a leverage to do it to say no. Yeah, from just when you are starting, you don't have it, and that's a different conversation. But but yeah, definitely, as you are growing, as you are learning who are your ideal customers are, what are your exactly the services or the product you're improving them. That's how you get to the moment of saying no more. Yeah, uh, that's ideal. Um, I have a couple more things. We talked before about sales generated leads versus marketing generated leads. I wanted to ask you, um, after working with so many B2B companies, what's the right mix of inbound versus outbound that you found? What companies should be thinking in terms of like, do we double down on inbound, do we double down on outbound? Do we combine them? Is there a mix that we should go for? Do you have any ratios in mind of what people should be thinking about when it comes to inbound versus outbound? I, I don't. I, I wish I have, but I don't. Um, I don't think there are, by the way. I think it's a case-by-case -case scenario. Yeah, probably. Probably. I don't, I don't know. But it all depends how the company is structured. You know, that's that's a big that's a big uh, factor. And like we're working with companies that are already there, already making uh the revenue already growing and growing fast like most of them so uh they already have a form team sometimes they they have more sales people sometimes it's 
um, more of some other structure, like they have more product people. Um, it all depends, like not many of them have a huge marketing team. That, that never happened. So maybe it's one person or it's like a team of three at, at best. So that's usually, usually how it goes. And then basically, you know, it's uh, seeing what they can do from that side, what they can do from this side. And if we are, I mean, if we are the right fit for them, you know, if they want to invest inbound, that's where they go to us. Uh, no matter if they are doing outbound or not. But often we got asked to recommend somebody for the outbound as well. So uh, it happens more and more. Then, then we enter the company, we start working with them. They, they ask us to recommend somebody for the, for the outreach. And um, we recommend somebody and then we, we start doing both from both sides, but it's not the company who is doing it. So it's not their assets is somebody from outside. Interesting. Yeah, for us, uh, the reason I asked that question is because we started doing both, right? We, we have built this content machine that we run based around my personal brand. Um, we're going to introduce company brand in Q2 as well, because um, that, that's one of the, the goals for the year to not just drive leads from my own personal brand, but to drive from company brand. Um, but we're mm -hmm. also working with a partner um, to do outbound. And um, I used to be the guy of like, just inbound, never outbound. And, and then I said, I was like, fuck it, I'm gonna test it out to see how it works. And it's good, like it's not, like I used to have this idea of like, doing outbound is like cheating and companies should never do outbound. Uh, but if you do it right, I think there's an opportunity there. Um, so I think testing it out has changed my mind into what I what the mix right mix is. I think companies should do both. Um, there are certain companies that are more oriented for one or the other. Um, so it it's still has to be on a case by case scenario. But if you can do both, why not do that? If you have the economics to do both and the team to do both and resources. Um, it can only help. You just have to do them right. Yeah, I, I totally agree. There's no reason to do one and not to do the other if uh, you know if you have um, if you can. But when it comes to building building the companies and how you structure your team and everything, this is where it's not it's not uh, like you can do both. You can do this or you can do this because marketing is there to to create an engine for the growth and sales is here to kind of take it to the next level. That's how it should be. But a lot of companies are making the mistakes of hiring more salespeople and then they need more leads for those salespeople to call people. And that's how they do it all wrong. Yeah, for us, we're always gonna scale through marketing because I think that that's, because I'm a marketing oriented CEO. So we're always gonna scale through more content, through more distribution right we're going to scale through that uh, and then we're going to add salespeople to just close it like not really sdrs we have this partner who kind of is like an sdr outsourced but we're not going to add sdr people we're going to add closers and then be and that's how we're going to scale um by driving inbound leads from marketing maybe having the outbound partner to drive some leads from that but the majority of leads will come inbound and then we'll have people who can close and that's it. 
Um, so that's where we think we're going to scale. Because I think it's more effective. Like one of the things that I like to invest within the next 12 months is somebody who can do like what you guys do, right? Like we have the content. Can you help us distribute it through Facebook ads and through all, all that type of stuff? Uh, so, so that's one thing that I, I love to like invest when we have the resources because that allows me to not have to hire SDRs. And mm -hmm. that mix of my personnel and my team more marketing oriented. Um, but, but this is super interesting, uh, which kind of leads me to the last topic of that I want to run by you today, which is about empathy in marketing. So we've talked about this in like different st stages, uh, but I think it's one of the most underrated things that marketers don't get right now. Um, so I want to hear your thoughts in terms of like, how should marketers be empathetic and salespeople of their target audience? And what does that look like from a practical standpoint? What does that mean being empathetic? Because we talk a lot about that, but what specific instances show that you're empathy, you're empathetic? To with your audience i mean it's uh when you're not just talking when you're actually showing it in in the way you you work in the way in the way you do you kind of do everything from the from the customer's perspective so every doing everything and having them in mind like how would they see this copy on the website how do would their experience be uh, when they when they scroll to the website, how would they feel the navigation on the website? How would they see the the ads? You know, the copy, the visuals. Are they too pushy and salesy, or they are actually explaining the problem and giving the value? Now, that's kind of how how I see it. Not just faking it, because a lot of people are trying to to fake it. Because a lot of people here listening to, to Gary Vee. Because like Gary Vee is actually saying it right, like the best strategy ever is care. You know, it kind of became ridiculous, but actually that's how it is. But a lot of people are mocking it up and trying to to kind of twist it and to do it from some perspective that um, is everything but caring. What would you say if someone tells you that that's going to mean less revenue for my company, or that means that I'm not going to hit quota? What would you say if like, uh, to, or that goes against the practices that I've been told as a salesperson or as a marketer that I have to do? I mean, to, to actually uh, make, a, make an impact and uh, make people uh, realize some things and uh, to get them to the point when they're going to realize that, I mean, this goes to the very basic of, uh, of the of top of the funnel. And people aren't actually, um, they don't know that they have a problem, first of all. Not even that you have the solution and that there are other competitors. They don't know even have that they don't know the problem. So you need to change their perspective. And in that way, you need to, and when you are changing perspectives, you're polarizing people. Of course, you don't want some of them. And when you are um, doing that, some people will feel threatened because you're going against their beliefs, against uh, their best practices, against things that maybe work for them. Uh, and they will, they will fall uh, into that other category that they're not interested in that because it's not their problem. Let's play a game. Let's play empathetic, empathetic versus not empathetic. So I'll give you a situation and you tell me what an empathetic marketer, salesperson or founder would do versus 
someone who actually doesn't care. Let's try uh, it. So I, I'm just going to make it up on the spot, by the way. We, if you're listening, we have not planned this at all. Uh, someone DMs you on Twitter and says, uh, can you give me pricing for your services? Uh, I'm not sure if I can afford you. What, what do you answer? Well, if, if they think that they can afford you, in most cases, they, they really can't. Uh, so basically, you go ahead and ask, OK, let's let's break it down. Like, what do you do? Uh, what um, What is your budget? Why do you reach out specifically to me? Um, you know, those kind of things, because when somebody asks you that, it's possible that they have been following you for a while. And they are now in the stage when they are thinking about hiring some somebody, let's say, for the marketing. And they are considering you because you are on top of their minds based on what you have been doing. And they reach out in the best will because they want to work with you. You are the one they think about when they come to marketing. And uh, usually I go from that perspective. So, exactly. and I ask, I ask them like, uh, what are exactly the things that you want to do? What is your company about? In which stage you are? You know those kind of things. Why did you choose to reach out to me specifically? You know, and I mean that's how it gets into the conversation. And I've been into those kind of situation a lot in the in the last year. And um, I mean, basically they weren't in the stage when we were a good fit, or uh, they needed something else. So I recommended some some of the guys that I know that they are good, doing the good job. They can help them. Maybe they are uh, cheaper or they are more um, I don't know the better fit for in which stage they are. But that's it. I, if you are uh, not empathetic, basically is you you don't respond to that message. Right. <laughs> uh, situation number two. Uh, you're on LinkedIn and you send a connection request to somebody who's an ideal client of yours, and they accept the connection request. Uh, what do you do versus what you, what somebody that's not empathetic would do? Okay, non-empathetic, spam them right in the, uh, when you are attaching message to the connection request, uh, and then uh, going right away uh, when you connect with them, then, um, going right away to the to the inbox even so email uh okay. but it doesn't need to be like you're empathetic it, it just means that you want to hire to close that that account uh very fast and you want it so much right. then you make then you make those kind of mistakes and nobody ever responded to you and put you down because you are doing that kind of practice you know that's that's kind of how it happened if you are uh empathetic um I'm not a fan of attaching messages to, to sending connection requests, so I'll skip that part. But when you connect with somebody, um, I usually let them uh, consume the content for at least like two weeks. Mm -hmm. And then I come back to, to sending a message. Maybe they would send me a message uh, within those two weeks. It doesn't matter. In my time, I will respond to them and I will... Um, give them my perspective. There, there is one expression that I was using and I was really thinking that in Serbian, I don't know how to how to say it in English because it can't be literally translated, but uh, uh -huh, maybe I can. So I would be delighted to find out more about what your company does. Because um, 
I've been sending those kind of messages and people told me like nobody told me ever that ever in my life. <laughs> like, you know, and, and I'm not and I'm not pushing, not trying to, to sell them anything. I just say to them, okay, this is who I am in one simple sentence. This is what I do. Um, I usually send them a link to the to the to one of the articles that I think can give them uh, benefit. And I just the rest of the conversation is about them. So I ask them, what do you do? I saw you here. I saw that you are working on this kind of stuff. Uh, so, you know, those kind of stuff. And I don't ask them even for uh, for uh, scheduling a call or anything. Like, it should be short, simple, showing that you care and nothing else. That's the first message. I mean, that's how things in real life actually go. Makes sense. Uh, situation number three and final situation. Uh, somebody either re registers for a podcast or downloads uh, a white paper or an ebook from your site and they give their email to you. Um, what do you do from there? Mm -hmm. It all depends. If they downloaded the, the PDF, which is, uh, I mean, look, this is, this is kind of stuff which is standard. It's not empathetic or, uh, or not being empathetic. I mean, it can be. But let's uh, let's say what is the best uh, the best practice. What should be the best practice? So if somebody downloads the PDF, usually there should be like an email uh, cadence. Like uh, I don't know, I like the basic one with five emails in seven days. Mm -hmm. And the first one is just here's your PDF, and maybe announcing like in the next. Seven days, you'll get four more emails from us just because we want to tell you a little bit more about the topic that uh, is in the document. You requested, yep. Yeah, so if it's more turned to sales, then you will go with, with the second email, which goes broader into the topic. The, the third one, which is um, case studies. Um, the, the fourth one would be testimonials or asking them to, uh, to go jump on a call with you right away from the, from the email. And the fifth one would be, okay, I gave you this, 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 uh, now it's time for you to do your thing and, uh, buy or schedule a call. And if they don't, then you put them in the, in the newsletter because they are not educated yet. Um, the the other one, which is more turned to education, not uh, really to sales, is let's say you the the document is I don't know it's a language school and the document is um, the, 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 the 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 informal verbs in German language uh, something right like that. yeah, yeah. So, uh, and it's a workbook for they can like uh, practice that and mm -hmm. so the first mail is the same. And now the next three emails are actually more about first, second, and the third informal verb in German language. Right. Uh, because you give them enough information so they can fill in the workbook and kind of learn. And uh, this is actually an example that we used. And um, accidentally, I was, I was the one who kind of stopped the third email from going. Mm. I was mixing with something and the third one didn't go and uh, I mean people were really downloading it when I say really I mean like 5,000 5, downloads 
uh, and they were giving us reviews on Facebook. And one of them wrote, everything is great, everything is excellent, can you just send me the, the third email? Because I never <laughs> got it. <laughs> and then you know that you are really giving, giving people the value. And because they are really being careful and, you know, because you know, they, they had the, the first verb, they had the third one, but they didn't get the second one. So they couldn't fill in the word book the right way. Right, but, but that's what you want, right? You want your content to be so valuable that you're... Yeah, yeah you, want, you want to educate them. And they, the here, here the goal is for them to... to um, I don't know what it was, but it can be like they can come to the... Um, to the language school to kind of do a consultation of what uh, they can get enrolled in some languages or they can use the coupon to kind of, I don't know, get a free class or something like that, whatever it is, the the big ask at the moment. Right, exactly. Um, but yeah, I, th I thought this was interesting, right? Like we can see the difference between marketers who are audience-centric and, and consumer-centric versus marketers who want to do what's easy for them or what's uh, or what they would like th their market to do, right? At the end of the day, I think it's more of an ego of like, this is how things, how the sales process and how the marketing process is going to look like versus the buyer decides how the sales process and how the market or how the marketing looks like and then you adapt and then you let them run it the way they want to run it because that's eventually what's going to give you the best results anyway. Um, so you might trick some people by not being empathetic and by doing the old school practices, but long term, you're not going to build a sustainable company, I think, with that. You have to build a marketing campaign and a sales campaign that focuses on what your buyer wants versus what you would like that your buyer wanted. And I think yeah, yeah, that's, that's very, very true. A lot of people are like, I know what my customers are, what do they like, what do they yeah. love. I'm sure, bro. I'm sure you know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then they're getting all the content and uh, putting paywalls in between. Yeah. I mean, you know, I had a situations where, like, uh, um, I don't know, we had a, a huge, it was um, a beauty salon or something like that. It wasn't in the time of funky marketing with, with, this, with those kind of clients. Uh, but when I was working for a different agency and, like, people who were coming to the shop were, like, people who were listening to the folk music, their idols are folk stars from here, you know, nothing against those people, but this is actually uh, who they are. And the owner, uh, because she was uh, listening to rock and roll and classic music when she was young, she thought, oh, those are my clients, you know, but those are the clients that you wish you have. Right. And, and you know, it's, and it's completely opposite in, in this case. Yeah, uh, people think, like, I always say this when it comes to content, like, don't let yourself speak for your audience. Mm -hmm. Like, even when it comes to content, right, a lot of times we say, oh, that's not going to resonate. How the fuck do you know? Just put it there, test, and see if it resonates or not. Don't, let, don't, be the, don't give yourself that it's not going to work. You should believe that everything's going to work if it makes sense. And then if the market says, hey, we don't like that, or this is not the right, the way that we want things to go, then you adapt, right? Like that's why we don't have long-term contracts. Do, do, do we want our clients to be there for 12 months and be locked in 
Of course, I would love that as a CEO and as a finance person to know that I'm going to get paid for 12 months. But I know as a marketer that they don't want that. They want no long-term commitments. They, they want to feel that they're in control. So we do month to month. Or yeah, maybe yeah. we're going to do like 90 days, 30, 90 days. This reminded me of, of an example. It might be good to say it. I don't know if I will remember it ever <laughs> later. But uh, while we were doing the job for that client, uh, the, the idea was to get to get them uh, some presence, I don't know, something like that, and do sort of a lead generation on Facebook. Uh, I mean, we were using um, Messenger uh, bot, and we were using Facebook ads. Uh, so actually, what, what did we do? We just asked ladies, females, a question like, uh, put two nails like this, and do you like more red or more blue? <laughs> and we, we told them that uh, each answer gets a present. I mean, it, it was true, no, no lies. Uh, and basically uh, how it works, they just say the comments and then they get the, the present via messenger and then they start communicating further. You know, we classify them further and see what they like, what this like, da, da, da. but the key, the key thing here was that um, we were watching what's going on so their husbands were uh watching football it was the world cup mm. and or it was european i don't know but serbia was playing so <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's why i have no idea uh what was it but uh while um we wanted to push it while the their husbands were watching football it means that uh wives are on the phones on the internet, so on Facebook. So we, we pushed them through and we got like 2000 subscriptions in like 45 minutes. And wow. then it blew up even more. It was like, man, and they were commenting to each other, like, how come you like red? How come you like blue? You know, those kind of stuff. That's awesome. But yeah, I think overall, the point we're making is marketers, salespeople, founders, start listening, stop speaking for your audience, and things are gonna go better for you. Like, don't let your ego or what you think you know be over-indexed. The one, the what the actual market is telling you. Um, but, uh, but yeah, this is all the four things that I have. I don't know if you have any other topics that you'd like to discuss today. Uh, but I thought we covered some quite tactical stuff. Yeah, I think we have some people listening to us. I don't know uh, if. Is the right number because on LinkedIn it's uh, going a few seconds back. But guys, if you have any questions, feel free to drop them um, in comments or in the chat. If if not, I mean you can always send the questions to to Marty and me whenever because this is the thing we are doing every Wednesday, um, 6 p.m. CT or 12 p.m. Eastern. Yeah, so uh, anytime, feel free to drop them uh, in comments. I think we're going to try to be more specific like this like this time and go into specific things, maybe with specific examples. And you can help them, help us with that. I mean, if you are struggling with something, having specific problems, don't know how to handle some things related to the, to the marketing, to the content, to anything that we talk about here, feel free to 
to send us message anytime um, and we'll be happy to answer. Absolutely. Uh, always a pleasure, Nemanja. Um, Likewise. I'll see you next Wednesday, 12 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Europe time uh, with more B2B Weekly. You, you want to finish it like you took away my intro as well? <laughs> no, no, that's, that's cool. Okay. That's cool. <laughs> uh, thank you everyone for listening. We'll see you next time.